Welcome to this fourth episode of the Thoughts from the Glen podcast, your stop for discussion concerning meaningful topics in life. The title of this episode is, Who Am I? And Why Am I Doing This? I'm Jason Truett Glenn, and in this episode I'll be getting a little bit more personal. Actually, a lot more personal. I was chatting with a friend the other day about these podcasts, and it was brought to my attention that, amazingly, not everyone on the internet knows me very well. When I started this podcast, I had my friends and current and former students in mind, and I wasn't really considering that they'd pass it along to their friends and family, who have the slightest clue who I am or what I'm doing. So I thought it best at this juncture to give you a little little bit more understanding of my story and, and how it has brought me to this place. To some of you, this will be old news, but others, will it will give a, a fresh perspective for how my life has been shaped and from what context I speak from. I have no, no plans of walking you step by step through my childhood as plenty of stories will surface in relation to various podcast episodes to come, hopefully. But there are a few identifiers and events that will be helpful to you in, in, in getting to know me better. First off, uh, again, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, as I've mentioned in prior episodes, my father was a Southern Baptist preacher, and uh, that has really fundamentally shaped uh, who I am in many ways. Uh, I came from, again, what would be referred to as a more fundamentalist uh, Baptist background, and uh, uh, all of the, the cultural nuances that, that comes with that, although my, my story is um, a little different than many others and from a fundamentalist background. Uh, my father was, uh, as I've stated before, a convert at the age of uh, around 20, 26, mid, mid-20s, and uh, he was an army sergeant and a, and a salty dude and uh, came from a salty family. And um, that uh, flavored the way that uh, he responded to the faith and uh, how he then engaged life as a father and a husband. Uh, but more than that, I suppose the, the moving around, uh, he, you know, we moved eight times and lived in five states uh, before I graduated from high school in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana in 1994. Um, my father normally got hired by a church because his personality and love for Jesus and the fact that he had a, a doctor of ministry. Uh, and then he normally got fired from those same churches within two to three years because he, because he brought in folks off the street uh, that he felt like needed Christ rather than uh, managing the churches like a country club. Uh, and again, he wasn't, he wasn't the guy that you wanted to, to do fundraising campaigns and, and, and build uh, massive buildings um, and, and, and be political. He just loved Christ. He, he reflected on what had happened in his own life, and he tried to respect that and honor that in the way he engaged uh, his neighbors in the city and in the community and, and sharing the love of Jesus. So that, that, that really, again, flavored um, my life growing up. The fact that I was a Southern Baptist preacher's kid going to public schools in five different states throughout my childhood cannot be overstated as being formative in my life. I, 
I felt like even uh, though often exciting, it was also like I was being thrown to the wolves every time I entered a, a new school. I would normally find friends where I could get them, and this often meant that I, I made friends with ethnic minority students, and, uh, and they were often my best friends. But the fact that I was also on the football team and, uh, and in plays and musicals, uh, that also exposed me to a wide range of, of different student demographics. So uh, I began to pride myself, really, um, growing up on the fact that I had such a wide, wide range of different types of, of friends. But growing up, uh, again, especially as I became a teenager, I was highly political. I was a, a huge Rush Limbaugh fan. Uh, I had a subscription to Newsweek, and uh, even around the time that Richard Nixon died, I, I made sure that uh, the high school and the junior high next to us uh, displayed the flag at half-mast uh, for uh, appropriate uh, days when, when Nixon died. I, I was just a very political-minded young man. I was intoxicated with uh, the American Revolution and the Alamo and uh, independence. And, um, that's where my mind was when I left for college. It was the intent. Um, I had the intent of, of becoming a lawyer. I applied at a lot of Baptist schools, but my brother talked me into going to Texas A&M and, and joining the Corps of Cadets. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have an, an intention at the time of, of joining the military, but um, I loved the tradition of the Corps of Cadets, and, and uh, they were going to give me some scholarship money. Um, and I wanted, to, I wanted to be a lawyer, so I got into the poli-sci, political science program at Texas A&M. And um, during that time, uh, I also uh, decided to, to obtain a Marine Corps contract. I applied for that, and I and, uh, received a, a Marine Corps contract. And I studied military science and uh, history and political science. Um, I became a, a member of uh, the College Republicans and became vice president of the College uh, Republicans. But uh, more than anything, again, at my time at Texas A&M, and I've, again, I've, I've mentioned this in, in prior episodes, um, I reached the bottom of the barrel in a lot of ways um, at multiple times in my time uh, in the Corps of Cadets at Texas A&M. Um, I basically at Texas A&M. I basically did most things that that when I was a high school student, I said I'd never do. Uh, so in high school, I I didn't drink, drink and smoke and uh, chew and cuss or anything to that uh, level. And and when I got to college, I, I uh, for lack of better phrase, I, I sowed my wild oats, um, and that got me in a lot of trouble. I was I was kicked out of the Corps of Cadets uh, for a time. Um, suspended from it uh, for hazing, had to, again, I'll go live with uh, some drug dealers. And um, even my sophomore year the, uh, on Thanksgiving, I remember um, I was alone in an apartment um, that, I could, that I could barely scrape up some money to, to pay my share of uh, working at Sonic, flicking, flipping burgers. And I spent that Thanksgiving alone with a pizza. Um, thankfully, I could watch the Cowboys play, but uh, that that environment um, was tough, and I made a lot of stupid mistakes. I, I did a lot of stupid things and, um, and a lot of wicked things. It's stuff I look back on now and I'm ashamed of, um, but I see God's hand in it all. But 
But the point is here, I, you know, I, I was up and down in the core cadets and uh, I got back in, I gained a powerful position, uh, a sergeant major of um, a battalion. And, uh, but then I, I <laughs> lost that position because I was accused of abusing my power and I probably did. Um, and then through that time I was sexually immoral and, and I was a drunkard. Um, so that, again, those things prepped me for what, uh, God was, was, uh, wanting to do and, and going to do in my life. And that, that brings me to kind of a most significant, uh, story in my time at Texas A&M and, and, um, kind of a, a story, uh, the top of a story arc, if you will. I, as I said, I had a Marine Corps contract, um, and I was headed to officer candidate school in the summer of 1997. Um, but I had recently found out that my dad had cancer. Uh, he had a large cancerous tumor inside of himself and, uh, he was going to need surgery. Uh, my, my girlfriend broke up with me at the, that, uh, about that prior spring. And, uh, I, like I said, I just lost that top leadership position that I was in the prior fall. Uh, I was, I was in a bad place. Um, I remember when I was, uh, found out about my dad and I was considering whether or not to continue to, um, go to, to officer candidate school that summer. And I was meeting with a Marine Corps, a major that had been significant part of my life. And I was in his office and I just started weeping. I just lost control. I, I just started weeping. And um, I'm thankful for the patience that a lot of those guys showed for me in, in a dark time in my life. Um, but I decided to still go. And so that summer I went to OCS. And um, <laughs> as you can imagine, and, and some of you can testify too, it's a fairly dark, depressing place. It's difficult physically, mentally, emotionally, not, not the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Uh, my time in what they call the fresh freshman drill team, fish drill team at Texas A&M was probably harder, but, uh, but this was, was, was very difficult. And considering all the other things I had going on in my life, it was, it was rough. Um, and I was in a rebellious stage as well. And, and I, uh, I got in trouble for, um, <laughs> basically doing some things I shouldn't have done and, and saying some things I shouldn't have said. And, and, uh, they put me on restricted weekend. Uh, so four weeks into OCS, everybody else was, uh, going out, uh, to Washington DC for, a, a basically a, a 12 hour or something like that, 12, 16 hour leave or something. Uh, and they wouldn't let me go. And so I, I had to stay alone in the barracks and, and by myself and open up the word of God and read it for the first time in a while. Um, and I, I just, I felt convicted that my mind and heart uh, began reflecting on my dad's situation, on my own situation, my depravity, my disobedience, my rebelliousness, um, bad, mis bad mistakes, uh, sin, um, again, my, my father's current uh, condition. Um, and uh, I basically had a, an enlightening moment. And uh, so I went to, to ask to see the commander of OCS as colonel and uh very intimidating fellow went in and talked to him and I said look sir I know that uh, I have a contract with the uh, Marine Corps I know that um you guys own me and uh I get that but I wanted to let you know what's going on in my life you know this is where I'm at this is you know going on with my father this is what's going on in my life spiritually speaking and um I'd like to go home 
And uh, he said, you know, son, you're right. We do own you. But I'm a Christian as well. And I can see what God's doing in your life. And I'm going to let you go. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Uh, so, yeah, so he let me go. And they, they put me on a, a plane, um, Reagan International, they, uh, sending me home to, or sending me back to Texas. And, uh, and this is, this is, of course, is where it gets real interesting. Um, I was on that plane and, uh, the flight attendant, uh, was bringing the, the beverages around and, and of course you get that, that cup of, of Coca-Cola and, um, and, uh, you get the little napkin, napkin that comes with the, the beverage. And, and I was uh, drinking the beverage and, and fiddling with the napkin and in my seat. And uh, I opened up the the napkin, and I recognized that uh, there was writing on it. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So I read what was on the napkin, and it said, What lies ahead and what lies behind matters very little to what lies within. And it was written in ink. You know, somebody had written it with a pen. And I looked around and I was checking to see if anybody else had something written on their napkin and, and it didn't look like they did. Uh, and I was like, what in the world is going on here? Um, and I didn't, I didn't start, you know, like bawling, but I started tearing up, um, because I kind of recognized that it was a very clear message, uh, from God, uh, at least in my mind that um, I was I was heading in the right direction finally. Um, you know, it was kind of like Paul's, you know, obviously not even close to Paul's, but it was like, it was like this, I was on this path and I was going the wrong direction and, and God confronted me in, in a, a powerful way. He stuck me in, allowed me to, to stick myself in some hard situations and... Um, and to reap the consequences of my sin, and and yet uh, revealed himself continually to me in different ways, and and in this moment in a very power powerful and personal way, um, you know, no doubt, you know, the the young woman may have had like a ministry, you know, that was the the flight attendant, and she, you know, maybe maybe wrote on a lot of other people's napkins throughout her time. I don't know, but. I've never had that happen to me before or ever since. Um, and it happened at right, just the right time um, as I reflect on it. Uh, I needed that. I needed this, this confirmation. Um, I wanted it. Uh, and um, it meant the world to me. I still have the napkin. I still I kept it. Um, and, of course, later on I looked it up and, and found out there was like a, a quote from I think Emerson, Emerson, but, um, you know, the point is, is that, that God used, um, this flight attendant or maybe magically stuck it on there. I don't know. But, uh, again, at the very least he used this, this flight attendants, um, maybe she recognized that I was in a dark place. I was, I was, I was pretty depressed, uh, in that moment. Um, even though I felt relieved, I was leaving. I was also, I hated quitting anything. Um, so, that situation really has impacted in my life. And, and when I got back home, I, I, I jumped back into the word of God. 
uh, started a study called the mind of Christ, which helped me to walk through a lot of uh, what was in my heart and in my mind and my soul. And um, I didn't listen. I didn't become um, a well-ordered follower of Christ by any means overnight. And I, I still had to work through some systemic sin in my life and unhealthy habits. And I still did some stupid things um, after that. But um, I had a board review, uh, I think later that uh, fall of 97, or maybe it was the end of the fall semester. And um, I, I'd still had my contract and, and they gave me time to think about it. And they brought me into this boardroom and, and they said, Jason, um, look, we'll let you go back to OCS next summer, but we, you know, you need to think through this and think about what you really want to do here. And, uh, and so I did, I sat down and, and they had these colonels and, and commanders in the Navy and, and, uh, captains and lieutenants sitting around this <laughs> desk with just me and man, it was intimidating, but, and I hated quitting. Remember, I hate, I hate quitting anything. Uh, and they were like, okay, you know, you need to decide, do you want to go back? Do you want to stay in or do you want to leave? And I just couldn't, I mean, I sat there for probably I don't know, 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, simply not answering, couldn't answer. Um, fumbling through my words. And um, eventually a commander in the Navy uh, took off his ring. Or maybe he was a captain, I, I think he was. And he took off his ring and he and his class, Texas AM class ring, and he slipped it across the table and he said, put it on. I was like, oh, okay. And so I took his ring and I tried to put it on and, and it wouldn't fit. It was, uh, it was too small. I got fat fingers and it wouldn't go on. And uh, he said, what's wrong, Jason? And I said, well, sir, it doesn't fit. Uh, and he goes, you're right. You don't fit. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, man, you're right. I don't fit. And that, that helped me to, again, um, just recognize that God wanted me to move on. Uh, and, um, and so I, I finished up my time as a Corps of Cadets, and, uh, and then I dropped out of Texas a and I I'd lost my desire after four years to study uh, political science and or, and uh, continue, continue down the path to be a lawyer, lost that desire. And so I, I moved on and I, um, I started uh, my journey and, and uh, studying theological and ethical studies. And I've been, I've been studying that ever since for a long time now. Um, but, you know, I will say that, uh, I, my my desire to study theology and ethics really is um, sponsored by what I had gone through prior to that. You know, I I, I remember when when I was deciding what master's degree I was going to do, um, I was thinking, okay, what do I love to do? What do I love to study? I, do I really do? I want a master's in theology? Like, do I want to get an MDiv? What do I want to do? And and I was thinking, what? Well, I I love you know, talking to young men, you know, especially about um, social justice and war and ethnic relations and, and sexuality and Christianity and, and obligations to the state. And um, that's the sort those are the sort of conversations I had. And I love to, to walk uh, fellow young men through through those questions, those deep, deep questions. And I'm like, where, what sort of degree does that? And uh, I had a uh, a professor told me, well, that's ethics. And I was like, wow, okay, well, I'll do an MA in ethics. And so I got into an MA in ethics and, at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and, and I studied under uh, a guy named uh, Daniel Heimbach, who studied under Francis Schaefer and was a, a formal Na former Navy officer and actually helped uh, 
George Herbert Walker Bush with uh, the Just War um, approach to um, the war, uh, the uh, first Gulf War. And, uh, so it was a great privilege to study under him. I studied under a guy named Mark Lederbach. And those guys didn't have the same exact approach and ethics. And so it gave me a variety of, of understanding of the different ways that Christians approach ethics. Um, and then later on, after after I finished up that degree, I got my first uh, full-time teaching getting at Bryan College uh, in Dayton, Tennessee. And um, that, that was a tremendous opportunity. I, I was graciously hired by a guy named Matt Benson um, to be the director of worldview formation there. And Matt's the current uh, VP of Operation Mobilization, a missions organization, if you're familiar with that. Um, but I also, I, I was able to, to walk a bit in the footsteps of uh, a guy that, that had come prior to me. John Stone Street uh, was prior to me, the, um, the director of the Worldview program there at uh, Bryan College. And he's the current president of the Colson Center, uh, founded by Chuck Colson. And, and so I was, I was, you know, I had his heritage there and what he foundation he'd laid. And, and I had the opportunity to work with Matt and a lot of good guys, a lot of good professors, good men, women there um, that exposed me to a lot of good f- philosophical and theological concepts and, and even social concepts. And I had colleagues that uh, were great conversation partners. Um, and Brian, man, Brian sent me all over the, the eastern United States to talk to high school students and, and private schools and churches. Um, they sent me all over the world. I went to Italy and India, Brazil, Czech Republic. Uh, to speak and partner with various schools and organizations. They sent me to Christian conferences, such as the Story Conference and Q Ideas Conference, Summit Conference, and and others, to listen, learn, engage with people and ideas of importance uh, within the Christian worldview. Um, The opportunity really afforded afforded me um, just a a learning uh, process. Uh, It gave me an opportunity to take my prior studies in education and political science, military science, history, theology, ethics, uh, and bring it to bear on real-life challenges all over the world, uh, whether it be through walking through the slums of Mumbai uh, or wrestling with uh, you know, gay marriage and sexuality in, in the United States or abortion or um, working with young people about uh, the proper approach to being a citizen. I just had... It, it, afforded me the opportunity to wrestle with a lot of these issues. Um, and where am I at now? So now I'm teaching uh, at Liberty University as an adjunct, um, primarily online, uh, which affords me the flexibility of <clears throat> traveling and for speaking engagements and for working on my PhD, which I'll, I'll share more about at some other point. Um, but uh, it's a wonderful opportunity as well. I teach ethics uh, online primarily. I've taught some, some classes on campus as well, but I teach uh, philosophy and ethics, apologetics uh, online. And, um, you know, working with uh, Liberty and teaching online allows me to engage with hundreds of, of uh, adults primarily, but young people as well. I mean, the age range in these classes are between uh, like honestly, seventeen and, and seventy. Uh, I think maybe the average age is probably in the thirties. Um, but I really have a great opportunity to engage in good conversations with students from all over America and even the world, uh, military personnel, and uh, every walks of life. 
uh, and discuss the things that matter, you know, quite honestly with them, um, which is a wonderful opportunity. And so in the, in the midst of all this, I can't uh, forget to, to say that I'm a family man. I'm, I've sought to prioritize my wife and my daughters while pursuing these vocational goals. And I've learned a lot about life from, from that journey. Uh, that's helped shape how I read the Bible, history, and how I engage ethics, theology, and even politics. Uh, my primary relational responsibility before God is stewarding my role as husband and a father. And, and uh, you'll no doubt hear that coming through in, in my other podcast. So that's a, that's a bit about who I am. Uh, I think that also kind of explains why am I doing this, but why am I doing this? Um, well, as Martin Luther said, because I can do no other. <laughs> um, my faith in Christ compels me to share what I've learned and seen in this life. You know, I realize that my story is just one among many, but if my story or my perspectives can resonate or help enlighten anyone, I consider that a blessing and a joy and a way of, of continuing to bring God, uh, um, excuse me, to bring good out of my past wickedness, uh, my past foolishness and mistakes in this life. Um, I had a new acquaintance ask me one time, why do you talk about, uh, what you talk about? And, uh, you know, again, we were having some theological conversation and, uh, my answer to him was because I'm haunted and, uh, I'm haunted by meaning, uh, not haunted in a demonic way, of course, but in a way that leaves me no peace apart from pursuing truth and the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm haunted by what God has done in my life and what he still whispers in my mind about what he wants me to see as important in this life. In essence, I, I want you to be haunted too, uh, in the best of all possible ways. I want you to be haunted, uh, quite honestly, by a faith, hope, and love that can only be found in Jesus Christ. I appreciate you taking uh, the time to, to listen to yet another episode of Thoughts from the Glen. Until next time, this is Jason Truett Glen reminding you that we don't live in a world without love.